hurricane line, top of the right circle with a spinner, am I in the back end, he scores! It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Roll that highlight reel again! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. What a goal by Patrick Kane! Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi again, everyone. Better late than never, but welcome to a new Blackhawks 720 podcast. I'm your pre and post game host on Blackhawks Hockey here on 720 WGN. Chris Bowden joined by Blackhawks reporter, wearer of all hats. I will continue to say that here at WGN because he comes in after Tuesday night's game, after Tuesday night's game, after he worked a morning shift on, on Tuesday morning, a morning news shift on Tuesday morning, Joe Brand take a bow once again as long as you nap strong and nap deep during the day that's that's what i used throughout the afternoon i mean it's it's really not that bad when i get home at 10 30 a.m and then i have all the time in the world to catch up on some sleep and i didn't even need that much of a nap today so no i i said before this is it's very comfortable to watch the game at home game ends Head on over while I listen to you guys in the post-game show. It works out perfectly. As long as you're not driving off the road when you listen to us in the post-game <laughs> show. And as long as Plankton wasn't scratching at you while you were That's trying true. to take a nap. Yeah, we avoid the cat, uh, too, when yes. we do it this So way. obviously, we're not uh, for the second straight podcast, we're not at the Pilsen podcast pad. But we are in our WGN studios following the Blackhawks' uh, thrilling 6-5 shootout victory over Columbus. Yeah, we originally intended to come to you after two games in Detroit, or, or the one game in Detroit. I think we we, we uh, did our last podcast between the first and second games in Detroit to start the road trip, and then two games in Carolina. But alas, there was only one game in Carolina. Yeah, there were three off days to work with, but they're just yeah, reacting to two games. We thought, no, not so good. So why don't we do, after the Tuesday night game against Columbus, Joe, nice enough to come in. I'm still out of breath here as record immediately after the <laughs> postgame show because that is some high event hockey and uh, Blackhawks picking up a crucial second point. They let an additional point get away by not being able to protect a two-goal lead midway through that third period. You can uh, thank the Columbus power player or the Blackhawks penalty kill if you want for that. But nevertheless, they, they find a way to come away with a victory. And it's kind of emblematic as to what this team has been able to do all season long, and uh, even though Kevin Lincoln gives up twenty-five, uh, five goals on twenty-five shots to the regulation, he comes up with five big ones in the overtime, an additional three in the shootout to seal the deal. Many contributors. Jeremy Carlton not thrilled with the way things went, particularly after the first period, and particularly on the penalty kill. But again, they come away with two points in and out, three points clear of Columbus, a team that you know they could end up be battling for a fourth playoff spot, if you will, in the Central Division. Well, I know we ended up recording this later than we expected, but I think having three days off tells a big part of this story of this game and how the Blackhawks came out today. Because I mean, let's face it, those two games against Detroit, yeah, they ended up taking both of them, but it wasn't by any means very impressive. I mean, Detroit's a very struggling team, and at times it looked like the Blackhawks were underperforming and maybe even a chance to let the game slip away. They did come away with it, so you have to give them the credit for that. But then you could almost see a, a, a redemption opportunity for Carolina, who, again, the Blackhawks just kind of deflated them a few weeks back, and I, you know the Hurricanes were just licking their chops to get another chance at the Blackhawks. and. I guess you want to say, luckily for the Hawks, they only played one game, but every game is a learning moment for this team, and I think this Tuesday night game was another one, too. It's You get the three days off. You get to regroup a little bit. You get to maybe tinker with some things, and they came out firing in the first period, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great sign to, once again, continue to show 
how do we bounce back from this? How do we go approach a, a team like Columbus, another team that might want to get some redemption on the Hawks? And the scary thing about this game was it almost looked like the game about a week and a half ago yeah. when the Hawks did cough up a two-goal lead <laughs> and ended up losing 6-5. to five. In and regulation. Exactly. <laughs> like the score was almost I, – I, the minute this started kind of unraveling in, in regular time, uh, in regulation, I was like, oh boy, here we go again. But you have to give them credit for when they're able to pull some something out like this. I, I think the offense looked outstanding. I think Kevin Blankenen looked very, very good, if not outstanding. And yeah, the defense and the puck management has some things to improve on, but hey, they pulled two points out once again. Well, that's uh, also you know an issue. The, the first period was was fantastic for the Blackhawks in the way they dominated. Yet they only came out of it with a two one lead, and the, you know you feel a little bit uneasy there uh, that it was only two one for as dominant as they were. And sure enough, it started turning into a ping pong match between these two teams. And then when they were up five to three, um, as Troy and I pointed out in the post game show, you know just these little mistakes that they have to learn from and grow from. And Nikita Zadorov up five three on the penalty kill. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I won't say it wasn't really busting it to try to get to a loose puck that you know he was going to be the first guy to, and he ended up being the first guy to, but still unable to clear. And the sequence continues, and they're able to score the goal to get to the move with six five. And then you know Lankinen still learning how to play the puck in certain situations behind his own net at this level. You know on the uh, equalizing goal again by Bjorkstrand uh, tried rifling it down, and there weren't just enough Blackhawks bodies along the board, and they turned that around to to uh, tie things up. Uh, growing pains, but in the end, when you come out of it with with the two points and a victory, uh, that certainly uh, helps things. And there were a bunch of things to be excited about. You know, Patrick Kane, another four point game. Blackhawks have played twenty games. He has nine multi point games so far. <laughs> 30 points for the season. Again, he's now within two goals of, of 400 for his career after he played his 993rd game on Tuesday night. 22 points in the last 12 games. You have that. You have Carl Soderberg starting to find his his groove now with um, uh, you know a three-point night. And, and for him, he has six points in the last five games. You love to see that. Uh, you love to see Brandon Hagel score his first NHL goal. Adam Boquist also, you know, getting on the board with that power play goal as well. So, you know, e- even there were some nits to pick here. There were, uh, I think, by and large, more good things to take out of. And, and as Jeremy Colleton says, it's easier to teach when you come off a victory than when you come off a loss, too. Yeah, and I, I think this game especially, because, again, there's so many positives to pull from the offense, the things that you mentioned. And Kevin Lankin in today, I mean, you can justify so many of the goals that he had given up. Patrick Line, I, well, three of them are not a power play. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and two of them are coming off of Patrick Line's stick at about 110, 150 miles per hour. And then he took one off the grill from him later yes. on. Yes. <laughs> hockey, hockey needs to, and I, I'm dead serious about this. I tweeted it out kind of as a joke, but hockey needs to incorporate exit velocity on some of these slap <laughs> shots because I think, I think fans would be thrilled to know how fast that was because honestly, in real time, I didn't see it. I did not see it. I see Line A load up, and then I see him kind of celebrate a little bit. And it's like, okay, that was There's in. Stick where and, and how? The back in the old the holster. Yeah, you know? I mean that was that was a wicked, wicked shot. And he saw two of them in in that regard. And and the equalizer goal, like you said, just kind of a 
an off-happen chance where, like you said, not a lot of the Hawks are down on that end of the ice. It's just kind of the way the puck bounced, went into the Blue Jackets' favor, and, and okay, if you really want to say they could get that one back, okay, but still, it's not the worst goal to give up. So it's just another stellar outing from Kevin Lankinen showing that this is a guy that's fully confident in himself. I mean, it was just not too long ago we were talking about him and Corbisalo and and their kind of tandem and, and uh, how... Kevin Lankinen's dominance and his confidence is just all backed up with each other coming into this league, and it's just all about him feeling all about himself, and and that continues to happen. That hasn't taken much of a speed bump at all. So, again, another positive you can pull from. And the whole Patrick Kane situation, I just think a lot of things are working right now. I think it's it's Alex Dabrinkit really finding that offensive surge in his game once again. I think I think it's the core of young players, as Patrick Kane has mentioned in the past, how they've given him a little revitalization of energy and just maybe an extra boost of adrenaline. And I think it's also just kind of the chemistry that's working right now with this young core. And number three, it's Patrick Kane. This guy can do these things offensively and and just make highlight reel days, days of it, because that's basically what today was, a highlight reel day for Patrick Kane. Yep, as uh, he ends up with a goal and three assists. Uh, the Hawks' power play goes two for four. The penalty kill, though, only goes one for four. This Columbus... Power play is 4 for 37 versus the rest of the NHL and now 6 for 11 versus the Hawks. So going into Thursday's game, uh, you know Jeremy probably said it during the intermissions, stay out of the box. Yeah. But uh, the Hawks uh, uh, couldn't do that four times and, the, and Columbus made them pay uh, three times. So uh, that's why this game ended up being as close as it was because, yeah, I think even on 5-on-5, five five, for the most part during the course of this game, the Blackhawks controlled the action. That's what you've been looking for from this team because going into Tuesday night's game, the Black Blackhawks had the uh, third worst five-on-five goals percentage of of all the teams in the NHL. But back back to Patrick Kane. Let's hear some of uh, his post game comments. Uh, you know, the primary helper on Brandon Hagel's first NHL goal. Uh, the team's overall performance here. A little bit of disappointment allowing Columbus back in and getting a point. And also, and we will expand upon this a little bit later in his Q and A with reporters on Tuesday evening. Thoughts of the Hart Trophy with what he has been doing on this team this. Year. Here's Patrick Kane. Hey, Patrick. Uh, what is it about these Blue Jackets Blackhawks games that feel like a roller coaster of a game? I just feel like we're giving up these leads, you know, late in the third. And, uh, you know, they're big points, obviously. Um, we did it one of the games in Chicago and did it one of the games tonight. So, you know, you get up 5 3, you want to finish off the game. But, um, you know, they just kept coming and had some chances. And, Ended up tying it up, so obviously nice to get two points, but it would have been nice to, to give them nothing. Uh, how, how would you evaluate your own game right now? I think you're statistically off to one of your best starts of your career. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, uh, I got a couple couple on the power play tonight, which is always nice, and uh, um, just, um, you know, trying to get the puck as much as possible and do what I can to help the team out there. So, um, you know, I think playing with the brink gut has really helped. Um, he's just taking his game to another level and he's just making plays all over the ice. A lot of good plays too. So, um, you know, trust him a lot with the puck. And, uh, um, I think that's helped me a lot too. Hey Patrick. Um, just following up on Charlie's question there, this is actually your second best start of your career after 20 games. The other one was in 2015, 16 with Panarin. Is that just, 
is that pretty much the same thing? Like you guys, you and Debrinket seem to have almost similar chemistry to Panarin. Is that why you think things are flowing so well for you this season? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you trust your line mates and, um, you know, he's taken a step like he has this year, it's just makes it, uh, makes it a lot easier on myself. Like I said, so, um, it seems like every time he's in a 50, 50 battle, um, he's coming out with the puck and, uh, I'm just expecting that now. So trying to get open when he has the puck, but, uh, you know, I think we can always improve. Um, communication's always there to to try and get better, so it's something we're always working at. But uh, uh, it's been fun so far. So hopefully, we can keep it going the rest of the season. Did you guys talk at all in the off season about his season, like how he wanted to get you know better this year and just improve? I mean, a little bit, but not really. I think we're just in the off season. I would say we're pretty competitive with each other, where we're trying to push each other every day and beat each other in whatever competition's going on. So um, I think that's one way we kind of push each other to get better. Hey, Patrick, uh, you look just so thrilled for Hagel to finally get his first goal there. What was that moment like for for both of you? Yeah, you know, they got good glue here in Columbus. So um, I was was really happy for him. And, uh, um, you know, he's been around the net. He's had a lot of chances. And... uh, um, nice to see him put one in. He shot that one pretty hard, like he wanted to put it through the net. So I'm sure he wanted to get that one off his back. And then the the blown leads you referenced earlier. What do you think it was that gave Columbus a window to, to rally back in the third? Do you feel like it was anything that sort of slipped a little bit? Well, I uh, you know we took some penalties and they scored in the power play. I think they had three goals on the power play. So you know they obviously got some life off that. And, um, you know, they got some players that can make some plays. And, you know, obviously Line is a, a deadly shooter. And that Rosovich seems like he's playing with some confidence. So they have some guys that uh, can make some plays individually. It seems like they did that at the end of the game. Um, you know, that Bjorkstrand had a couple too. He's got a good shot. So um, I think we just, you know, it's nice to, to win. But, I mean, you just got to learn in those situations to to close it out, we can all be better and just, you know, winning battles, getting the puck out, make sure they're not getting any free chances. Um, so that's something we can all be better at as a team. Thanks. Uh, hi, Patrick. Uh, you know, not to belabor the point here, but, you know, you're, if it were an 82 game season, you'd be on a pace right now for 123 points, which would be your career high, obviously. And, and, you know, really like putting together a, a very legitimate heart trophy type of season. What is it about this year, Patrick? What's going right for you? And and do you think about maybe winning another heart this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to help the team as much as possible. But the way I play, I feel like I've, you know, had some pretty good seasons the last couple of years too. So, um just trying to get better each year, I guess. Uh, um, you know, I still feel like uh, there's always things I can do better within a game and, you know, within the off season to get better. So it's always a work in progress. But um, I don't know. I mean, just like I said, just trying to help my team as much as possible when I get the chance and I'm on the ice. Patrick, it seems like you guys really had uh, Chris passing lanes. You did well turning the puck back in the first period. Uh, what 
what was really working and did that stem from what you worked on in practice? Um, I just think we want to get pressure on, on the puck. Um, I don't know if that's something we've worked on in practice, but just maybe throughout the whole season, um, we've talked about it, getting pressure on the puck, you know, trying to create turnovers, get a stick on puck, who knows where the bounces go and, um, you know, can create and transition too. So, um, you know, it's something we're always looking to do. Um, I think a lot of guys do that pretty well on our team. Um, so we have a lot of guys that have been hounding the puck and, uh, you saw that a lot in the first period where we can create off that. So I think that's just, you know, um, starting to become part of our team identity. Ken Campbell is a national uh, writer, I believe for the hockey news. Um, and, for a national writer to be asking Patrick Kane this question, uh, I think eyes are opening up not only for what this team is doing, eyes are opening up around the league for what this team is doing. Uh, nobody expected this, even a lot of Blackhawk fans to this extent. Um, and, and the guy who is, is driving it mostly is, is Patrick Kane. And for a national writer to ask about the Hart Trophy, I, I gave you some of the numbers that, that he's been spitting out here recently and over the course of the entire season. And I told Troy, it's a legitimate question. If this team at least remains in contention through the end of the year for a playoff spot, whether they make it or not, and Patrick Kane, I don't know if it's realistic to continue this kind of pace, but you know, you heard from Ken Campbell the pace that he is on. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's a legitimate question in terms of bringing him in the mix right now with, you know, the, the predominant names you hear, uh, in the hard trophy race, the two guys from Edmonton, uh, McDavid and Drysettle and Austin Matthews with the year he's, he's having. I think those are your three guys that may be missing somebody else as we, you know, look for an overall scope of what's going on in the HL. But, uh, uh, Patrick Kane's case is legitimate at this point of the season, one-third of the way through, to be in that mix. No question about it. It's always very, very special when you talk about a guy and you use the term future Hall of Famer in any sport. And, uh, I mean, Patrick Kane has kind of been having that term for maybe a couple of years now. Um, so I guess it's it's not as surprising here in Chicago because people know what he's capable of and and know what type of offensive flair he can bring to each and every game but but you're right it is starting to take the national uh, momentum with the reporter today and uh, the other day when they were on the national game uh, on NBC that's that's basically all they talked about for <laughs> for the pregame and then a little bit of Kevin Lankin in and and then back back to Patrick Kane and what he's been able to do and I mean th- this is just the Patrick Kane that we've known for so long when, when he first came into the league and eventually the Hawks win that first cup in 2010 it's it's like my college roommate said Patrick Kane just makes things happen they they just happen when he has the puck and uh, Eddie Olchek was talking today how he came into the league and he was more of a pass first type guy and now yeah he still has that mentality but he's just so wise on the ice because now that he's developed even developing even more chemistry with some of these guys he's just got the perfect mentality of when to shoot when to not when to pass when to find the right guy to pass to and again you're just you're really seeing some good camaraderie right now with everybody and it goes back to Alex to I really liked what Pia Suter was doing with his line today though too I, I mean it's just you're seeing a lot of good just mojo happening with Patrick Kane and these young guys right now and I think they're doing a really good job of feeding off each other and these young guys have to be thrilled to be playing with Patrick Kane at this time when he's having this type of year um, because it's got to give them a confidence boost. It's It's got to help them in the long run of, 
you know, just just the fact that when you're on the ice with him, when you're playing a line with Patrick Kane, you know there's an opportunity to score, and you know that he's not going to put too much pressure on you, at least with the guys that he's worked with. We talked in the past how sometimes guys are pressured too much because it is Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. and they just want to give him the puck, but it's just everything is working right now with that offensive identity with whoever Patrick Kane is playing with right now, and I, I think that's, that's a huge reason why he's off to such a fantastic start, but of course it, it goes down to his individual talent too and you got also to keep in mind when he won the Hart trophy he was surrounded by taves yeah. and panarin and, and and some of those players he is not surrounded by superstars so in my mind that makes it even more impressive and he was the guy who set up finally brandon hagel's first nhl career goal uh it happened at the eight uh, twelve mark of the second period the game was tied 2-2 it put the blackhawks ahead 3-2 albeit uh, for a very short time as columbus would follow up with uh, one of their power play goals but finally in game number 18 of his career game number uh uh, 17 uh, of uh, this particular season after having numerous chances o- over the course of uh, a handful of games here since he broke into the lineup and has really uh, solidified and entrenched himself in this Blackhawks lineup as a regular. He finally got that first one and he talked about it afterwards Tuesday night. Hey Brandon, uh, I know we were just talking about it this morning, but uh, what did it feel like to finally get that first one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no really words to describe this. Uh dream come true i've dreamt of this my whole life so um no better feeling than getting a pass from a legend as well yeah that was my follow-up uh does it make it extra special that it, you can look back on that knowing that it came from patrick kane as the primary assist yeah i mean uh like i said this guy's a legend he's gonna go down into one of the best in the world so uh, i'll be able to tell everyone everyone about that one so it'll be nice as, as usual, Brandon, uh, you've had you had other opportunities in the game that looked like they were close to to going in. Did you know that one was the one? Yeah, yeah I mean, I couldn't have missed that one. Uh, if I would have missed that one, I'm not sure what I would have done. Uh, maybe just play without my stick. But um, yeah, I had tons of opportunities and uh, finally ended up getting one out in the back of the net. So uh, uh, no better feeling. What do you learn from these games against the Blue Jackets? Uh, this is another really intense game. What's your takeaway from it? Yeah, I mean, uh, we had the lead a few times there. Obviously, it came back, but I mean, we stuck with it. We got the two points, and that's the most important part. Of course, we wanted in regulation, but two points is two points. So um, it's got to keep going. I know we got them in a couple of days here, so um, just prepare for that. And uh, we know what to expect now. Obviously, it's however many times we've already played them. So um, I think we did it. We did it enough to win tonight. Hey, Brandon, uh, talking about Kane there, but uh, he seemed so thrilled uh, after you'd scored, just smiling and celebrating with you. What was that moment like? Yeah, pretty special, obviously. Uh, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I mean, this guy's a legend. He's one of the best to ever go down. So uh, happy he's happy for me and also uh, – Great pass by him. I mean, I uh, can't thank him enough for that gift. And the first period uh, it seemed like maybe one of the team's best of the year, 17-4 to four or something in shots on goal. Uh, what led to such a strong start? Yeah, I mean, we uh, obviously we had a few days off, so there was uh, no excuses to be tired out there, that's for sure. And, and we definitely weren't. I mean, we brought it all. We were on the puck. We were hounding the puck. We were... Our back pressure was incredible, um, taking the puck away from them and stuff like that. Everyone was just working, and it was really noticeable. And 
Um, that's the way we got to play for 60 minutes. And I thought, uh, we did a really good job of that tonight, obviously, uh, little setbacks here and there, but that's going to happen. Like I said earlier, we found a way to win and two points is two points. Got to be thrilled for that kid. Finally able to cash in. And, and, uh, our buddy Mark Lazarus tweeted this out and, you know, I even mentioned it in the pregame show. Every time he does a thing with reporters leading up to this, the question is always asked, are, you know, are you thinking about that first NHL goal? You know, are you pressing? Is, is it bothering you? And, you know, he always, you know, very casually says, no, not really, as long as I'm doing other things. Now, whether that's the absolute truth or not, who knows? But he hasn't let that affect the rest of his play. And I think that's been the most impressive thing about this kid. Um, you know, he's playing with his hair on fire and, you know, to finally get the payoff, um, not on a breakaway, but on a feed from behind the net by the great 88 uh, is really something to treasure. So happy for him uh, finally getting the payoff. Right before the Hawks came down with the rush on Brandon Hagel's goal, I could have sworn he blocked Kevin Stenland's shot. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that's what happened, but it ended up getting through. And I thought, oh man, that would have been so cool because it just would have been a microcosm of what Brandon Hagel's been able to bring to the ice every day. It's on the defensive end, rushing down with so much enthusiasm and then just being in the mix with that constant peppering of the net that the Blackhawks had so much in this game, mainly in the first period. But, I mean, he's just at the right spot at the right time and he's he's always got his head up. He's always ready to to just be in the opportunity to score a goal or to move the puck for an even better opportunity to score a goal. So I think that's why he's just been clicking so well because he's not a selfish player. And, you know, when you talk about a guy maybe being snake-bitten, even though you can't really constitute that when he's in his first full year in the league, um, it's, it's, a different, it's a different type of thing where... Yeah, okay, he hasn't picked up his first goal, but it's not like he's he's had an opportunity and he's just missed wide of the net. It's it's been a great save or a, a poke check coming out of nowhere. And it's I really liked how he said today. Well, yeah, if I missed that shot, like I <laughs> I, I, I would have deserved not to have my first goal or something like that. Yeah. So I, I you just got to appreciate his attitude, and I think the team is very much, and that's why they're. Uh, you know they're so on board with again this identity of a younger core, um, and and you you love when you see guys like Kane just with that huge grin on their face when yeah. he's like, yeah, I helped make that happen. <laughs> I helped give you your first goal, and yeah, it's it's great that it's it's finally here. But yeah, you hope that Brandon Hagel just keeps doing these Brandon Hagel things because they've been huge. He becomes the uh, fifth Blackhawk this season to score his first career NHL goal uh, uh, this season. Uh, I'm trying to go through the list. We have Suter, we have Hagel, we. We have Bodan, we have Mitchell. Mitchell. So uh, congratulations to Brandon Hagel for adding to that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say congratulations to Alex DeBrinkett, uh, <laughs> because he was on Blackhawks Live on Monday night with Nick Ismondi and me, and he becomes the fifth of uh, the fifth of six players we have had on the show so far this season to have scored in the week following their appearance on Blackhawks Live. He wasted no time, even though it's a shootout goal. We're going to count it. We went to the rule book and we're going to count it as uh, the fifth player joining. Let's see. Uh, uh, it was uh, Dylan Strom. It was uh, Ian Mitchell. It was Matthias Yanmark. And uh, I know Connor, Connor Murphy was the guy who did not score after his appearance. Um, trying to go up and down the lineup here. Calvin DeHaan is the other one. Oh. 
Curtis See, Coke getting in my ear after uh, <laughs> cutting up uh, mountain loads of tape after this one. So uh, thank you, Curtis. So Calvin DeHaan is the uh, is the other guy. And I thought I thought the guy that didn't score was Kevin Lankin. You guys haven't had Lankin on yet, huh? <laughs> no, Cause, no. Because I was going to say, well, he we had a shutout. Have him on. Right. He had a shutout the other day, so that counts. That should count. But no, well, he's got two assists so far, so maybe he yeah, does score a there goal. There you go. There you go. You know, um, the club of goalies. Yeah. Himself. No. Hey, good good track record, you guys. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up. Um, so uh, that's we'll, we'll put a bow right now on on you know that Blackhawks Tuesday night victory and um, you know what they've done over the course of the past week as they get set to rematch against Columbus. Uh, then they come home for a uh, uh, five game homestand, two against Detroit back to back on the weekend, as well as uh, three games then scheduled against Tampa Bay. And uh, before we go on to our next topic with Jeremy Carlton, there was some rescheduling done. Um, you know based on what happened. Uh, with Carolina on Friday night and some other maneuverings going on. So uh, let's at least break this all down to you. It's probably better if you're looking at it than listening to me. But uh, we'll at least bring this to you, and you can adjust your schedules accordingly, and we will have a pop quiz on this at the end of the show. (laughs) But last Friday's game at Carolina is going to be made up May 6th. Oh, there's a Blackhawks game against Dallas that day at the United Center. So that game against Dallas will be moved to May 9th, and then there was a game scheduled for May 8th against Dallas, following that game on the 6th. That's now going to be moved to the 10th. So back-to-backs to close the regular season as of now against Dallas at the United Center. Just push back to the 9th and 10th so they can fit that game against Carolina in on May 6th. Also, their game on April 4th at Nashville has been moved to April 19th. And there has also been one time change. The date wasn't changed on March 20th at Tampa Bay, but a time change moving from 6 o'clock Central Time to 3 o'clock Central Time. So there you have it. Study up. We'll ask again at the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, we won't because I don't want to I don't want to repeat that. Um, one of the players the Blackhawks were without on Tuesday night, Dylan Strome. It was uh, announced after he practiced on Sunday that uh, Monday he was in concussion protocol. And... Uh, I really want to play this clip from from Jeremy Carlton on Monday afternoon, kind of explaining the whole process of what went on with Dylan and kind of the booby traps that are a part of, you know, evaluating concussions and then coming to that conclusion and, and how it's not always an immediate, you know, uh, an immediate instance, how, you know, you can brush it off and then all of a sudden, Later on, there are these uh, lingering symptoms that start to, I shouldn't say lingering, these symptoms that start to creep in and start affecting your play. And, you know, to be quite honest, Dylan's play hasn't been up to what he and probably everyone else expects. And now, you know, we've kind of pulled the curtain back on I'm not sure how long, you know, he hasn't felt quite right or whether this has been something progressive up to the point where, you know, the game against Carolina on Friday and then when they practice on Sunday when, you know, he did join the team on the ice, um, you know, it, it reached kind of a breaking point. But this is some fascinating stuff from Jeremy Carlton on Monday. It, again, it begins with him talking about how the situation with Strom evolved. And then he goes into a little bit further detail on how this is a very inexact science. You have your baseline testing and it's it's really fascinating when he talks about how he just could have aced all those 
things when he was involved in a player, which ended up ending his career with, with concussions. Um, it's really an interesting listen. So uh, if you hadn't heard it or hadn't read it already, we want to share this with you because, you know, when it comes to concussions, everyone's kind of learning as you go. And from somebody who experienced it firsthand and now is experiencing it with some of his players, uh, listening to him explain it might uh, shed a little bit light on. Here's Jeremy Colleton from Monday. You know, I think he got hit a, a few games ago. Um, he didn't feel anything um, symptoms-wise. We we're checking on him, obviously. I'm pretty sensitive to, to that stuff, and uh, he felt good. But uh, over time, I think that happens sometimes. These the symptoms are, are sometimes late arriving. And uh, he hasn't, you know, in talking to him, he hasn't felt as it as good the last uh, little while and uh you know finally uh, it's tough like you're as a player you want to play and you feel like you can play through things and you're it's easy to be in denial about uh what you're feeling but i think you just came to a point where he he um he, he felt like it, it had to be something and, and spoke up so i'm glad uh earlier better than later but uh you know we'll see now how long it's going to be there's no perfect formula to to pick up these things. It's for the most part, it's totally symptom related and, and what you feel. Um, and a lot of the symptoms could be, you know, they, they could be, um, you could consider them as unrelated. Uh, it's only when it happens immediately after you get hit in the head that often you, you feel like, uh, Hey, this is, this could be a problem. So, um, and we do, baseline tests um to pick up things you do like a scat just to get a you understand uh, so the the medical group can understand what your baseline is but i mean from personal experience i could ace all those tests when i was going through my issues and, and if i wanted to no one would have known any different uh as i was going through some pretty heavy symptoms concussion wise so uh there's no exact science yet, and and uh, I think in the hockey world, it's something that we all want to get better at it, trying to pick up things quicker. Whenever you see someone get hit, I personally just follow up. Are you sure you're okay? You feel anything? Next day, same thing. You good? You feel anything? Uh, because, again, every other injury, you you're taught to play through it. And if you can, if you can play, you play. And, uh, and in some ways it's, you build character by, by battling through the bumps and the bruises that happen during the season, but the head, head injuries are a totally different animal. And it's against a little bit against what you're brought up, you know, how you're, how you're supposed to react when you face that adversity. So I think often they need a little bit of a nudge, like this is okay to, um, to be honest and, and take yourself out. Going back with that, how difficult was it for you to admit that you'd had something wrong? Like, how uh, were there times where you you had uh, you know like force yourself to admit something wasn't right? Yeah, it was terrible. It was um, you have an internal struggle almost uh, by the minute. Uh, how am I feeling? Is this you know? Am I inventing this? Is this is this real? Um, am I going to get better? I'm going to feel better in 20 minutes. Um, it's just an internal thing, especially if you have any history with it. Uh, you're trying to rationalize that you feel okay. And uh, especially when it's 
if you're playing well or you're you're in the NHL or you're at a high level, it's it's hard to take that step because as soon as you take the step, then you're out for a number of days, and that's hard for players to do. So really interesting stuff if you if you take a listen to um, what Jeremy had to live through and the pitfalls and uh, the booby traps of when you think you're feeling okay, trying to take that next step. And, and you know, when you take that next step, suddenly it, it sends you back a couple, three steps from that. And, and it's just a very involved, confusing process, forcing athletes who have difficulty probably with patience and wanting to go out there and play and wanting to prove their worth and continue to keep their spot in the lineup. And, uh, you know, the fine and sometimes dangerous line that they have to take when, uh, you know, deciding, okay, uh, it's time for me to speak up here because I'm not feeling too good. And um, even though I'm trying to tough my way through it, just like any other injury, this is something completely different. I thought the biggest point you brought up prior to the uh, clip we just played is the fact that Jeremy Colleton knows knows about these drills and knows about these tests. And he even said, uh, I, I could have passed them with flying colors and no one would have known the difference. So for the fact that this kind of flew under Jeremy Colleton's radar, it was that disguised is what I mean. That mm. Then that really goes to show you how, how difficult it is for for anyone to spot it, and then how it's solely on the person who is experiencing it. So good on Dylan Strom to do that, because I'm sure that can't be easy. I'm sure he's eager more than anybody to get out there and to prove himself and, and to do some damage and and be part of this team, but but good on him. And I, I, I think it has to be said that this is, this is a product of all this awareness that has been brought on the concussion side of things in the NHL over the past couple of years. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys, a lot of bruisers that have been more the advocate of saying, hey, no, this is an issue. We do have to confront it. We do have to talk about it. We do have to make it aware. And and hopefully that that is maybe that was talking a little bit to Dylan Strom of, hey, maybe we should take this more seriously rather than just trying to toughen something out right now. And it's again, it's got to be really frustrated for the guy because I'm sure he wants to get out there and, and prove himself. But but good on him to uh, to understand that this matters more right now and in this sport and in football we have seen uh several unfortunate incidents where instances i should say where um the long-term effects you, yes. you know even, even when you're done playing all of a sudden you know you you start finding these fogs and and you know your temperament changes and you know it all comes back to this so it, it just speaks to how careful you have to be with this i would imagine Dylan probably talked to Andrew Shaw along the way too about you know how he should handle this. This is what I'm feeling. What should I do? Um, I don't know that for sure, but I would have to imagine that's been part of the equation too. Well, and don't, ha- hasn't there been some research that more the damage in terms of football players' concussions or, or longer lingering issues later on down the line are, is more a result from the constant head-to-head impact rather than the hard hits that mm-hmm. you know shock you and make everyone go oh. So I mean, I, I'm not directly comparing the two but if that is the case then it's it's even more wise for Dylan Strom to take this where you know he said he didn't maybe experience it as much a, a few days ago as it had had been happening i mean how 
he could have just thought, oh, this might just be a headache or, oh, this might just be a little bug or something like that. And he, he took it very seriously and, and came up front with it. And, and again, more more good on him for confronting that and just taking it as, as seriously as it should be. And uh, just all the best to uh, to Dylan. Great guy. And, um, you know, we hope it's a, it's a short term thing that, too. that he's able to uh, able to recover fairly quickly from this and then uh, find a way to. Um, uh, protect himself a little bit better. Not that it was any fault of his own, but you want all these guys to play it as safe as possible in what is still a very, you know, a, a violent, high-speed sport where some of these things uh, cannot be avoided. We want to play another clip from Jeremy. And again, we didn't want to play what he said after Tuesday night's game because we have these two other topics that, that he addressed over the course of the last several days since our last podcast. It was that with the concussion. And then he was asked uh, last Friday um, by a reporter, Steve Greenberg from the Sun-Times, um, and, it, and it turned into something very fascinating emanating from Jeremy's past as a player. And it's about his self-confidence. And, and I think Steve asked him about whether, you know, during the course of the last couple of years when, you know, he... His system just wasn't clicking. The wins weren't coming. The, the team wasn't playing consistently. Whether he ever doubted uh, what he was doing as a young head coach, still the youngest head coach in the NHL, and uh, you know whether uh, he started second-guessing himself in terms of uh, his confidence levels with what he was trying to do with this team. And uh, I thought this answer was just as fascinating as we just heard of him talking about a concussion. Here's Jeremy Carlton talking about uh, how he uses some of his past as a player and uh, has rectified that moving forward as a head coach. I think personally, as a player, one of the things that held me back was my my self-confidence and uh, believing believing that I belonged and, and uh, just playing without fear and with... Uh, playing on the edge, playing on your toes, playing aggressive. And uh, that's something that I'm keenly aware of. And so as a coach, I do everything I can to avoid it, but it's still part of my personality that uh, I think I do search for input and and outside um, opinion. It's important that you choose wisely uh, the people you let in and the, the feedback that you are willing to accept to make you better. I think it's an important part of the process, but uh, ultimately I think I've been at my best when I believe in myself and trust my instincts. And uh, that's, I think that's probably going to be true going forward. Jeremy kind of revealing something uh, deep down that, uh, you know, uh, he hadn't shared with us before. And I think uh, in this age of Blackhawks transparency, that's, that's pretty cool. But, you know, for, for him to peel back that layer on, his self-confidence as a player and, and how it held him back. And, uh, you know, now making sure that that doesn't occur to him as a head coach while surrounding himself with the right people who can give him the proper, you know, uh, way to go. Or if I were you, I would do this. Um, I, I think it was a, a real interesting comment coming out of the Blackhawks head coach and uh, revealing a little bit of himself that we hadn't seen before. It is. It's cool. It's new. It's it's a fresh soundbite. Um but the other thing is, you know, the question doesn't get asked, and he probably doesn't care to nope. answer it if nope. if the Hawks aren't playing this well right now. Yeah. So, so it's it, it, it's you understand why it comes at this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times we have to bring it up that that Jeremy Colleton just got dealt a rough hand when he came into this job to replace 
one of the most winningest coaches in NHL history and fresh off of three cups and just totally revived this city and turned it into a hockey town. And then this guy, why this guy? When we, when everyone loved Joel Quinville to death. So, I mean, he's been through a, a pretty tough ringer the past couple of years. So it is, number one, it's cool to see the success that he's had in the early going as of right now. And, and this is something that, a lot of people were preaching to before is that he they need people they need this team to buy into Jeremy Colleton's plan and if everyone's on the same page then you're talking about a different team and as of right now we are seeing that so so good on Jeremy Colleton to stick to his guns and and stick to his own confidence and and it, again it's not just him versus the Blackhawks it's it's the 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 older core, the Patrick Canes, the Alex DeBrinket, they're buying into this system. Mm-hmm. They're a fan of this system, and they they are enjoying watching it grow. And Duncan Keith and and all these guys are are becoming a part of this. So it it is really cool to see uh, it happen in this way. Um, it's unfortunate that it, it kind of took a little bit, but maybe now you understand why. And again, this isn't to bash some of the players that it, had, had been here before, but um, but but you really. You really are seeing a difference now when everyone can be on the same page. And I think, again, for the long run of this organization, that is what is the most important thing right now. So hopefully, if and when some of the other guys, like a Jonathan Taves or like a Kirby Doc, come back, and like a Brent Seabrook, it, it's going to be really interesting and really fun to see how they are incorporated with his whole resurgence, too. Uh, a perfect team right now? By no means. Not 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 even close. But doing enough and, and, and having enough pieces for the future where you could see the potential of what this team can possibly do down the road. Uh, not with this exact roster. There will be moving parts and pieces, but you're, you're seeing some of the, the seeds planted with some of these young players. The seeds that Jeremy has planted in terms of, you know, culture and style and yes. philosophy as a head coach and, uh, Right now, all that has done is resulted in an 8-2-1 record over the last 11 games. They've won 7 of 9, and they're sitting there in a playoff spot here as record late on Tuesday night after the 6-5 shootout victory over Columbus. We better wrap this thing up. Uh, I'll forego the quiz on the rescheduling. We'll let you guys off the hook on that. Maybe come back with it on our next podcast. We're scheduling that for Monday because the Hawks will have three more games between now and then. Uh, the road trip finale, which is now turned into a five-game road trip Thursday at Columbus. And they come home for back-to-backs against Detroit Saturday and Sunday. So we'll come at you with a fresh podcast Monday before they see the Tampa Bay Lightning once again for the first time since those opening two games of the season. So it'll be fun recapping uh, what is ahead over the next three games and then also looking ahead to matching up with the Tampa Bay Lightning and where the Blackhawks are after these next three contests. So we're uh, sitting here uh, finishing up this recording podcast at 10.17 on a Tuesday night. Curtis Koch has been here way too long. His fingers are bleeding from all the highlights of a 6-5 shootout victory, uh, chopping up sound bites for Dave Bennett in the morning, um, and now having to do this. He has his pajamas on, so we better we better sign off so he can uh, glue this podcast together and send it out to you. So we thank you all for listening. We thank Curtis for all his hard work, Ernie Scatton as well. And uh, again, you can uh, follow us with all things Blackhawks. I'm at at Bowden Tweets on Twitter, and Joe is at at Joe underscore brand one. And uh, we hope uh, you, we enjoy the next uh, three Blackhawks games like we did this uh, wild, nail-biting 6-5 shootout victory Tuesday night over Columbus. We'll talk to you again. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll visit again Monday after the three games against Columbus, uh, one against Columbus and the two against Detroit. Have a great weekend, everyone. How about that? 
what it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.